If you're a new Top Rock Church visitor, if this is your first time here, my name is Marco. We have the privilege and opportunity of this morning uh, of having some of our team members here from NCMI. If you're not sure what NCMI is as a visitor, it is a team of relating gifts, Ephesians 4 gifts, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. Uh, and what we do as NCMI is we partner together. Come on up here. Yeah. Woo! Okay. That's right. That's how, that's how we get your attention. Okay. Uh, we partner together uh, and we do ministry together. Uh, and what's amazing is every so often, and this week is the NCMI Equip Conference in Chicago, we have amazing people that are willing to travel across the world to come to our little local church to deposit something of the kingdom in us. And that's so important because in our church, we don't have all of these gifts in operation. We don't have all the apostles, all the prophets, all the teachers, all the evangelists, all the pastors. And so when we invite these gifts in, what they bring is they bring a deposit with the gifting that they carry and a message for us as a local church. And so we are super excited. They're good friends of ours. This is, just in case you're wondering, this is Leo and that's Christine. It's not the other way around. Okay, and so I want to just let you introduce yourselves. We're so grateful that you guys came. We love you as a church. We want to honor you today. Thank you. We're excited to hear what God has to say to us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Maybe the mic for Christine. Oh, the mic for Christine. Thank you. This is our family. Yes, that's our family. We have four boys and a girl. And we have one grandbaby and another grandbaby on, uh, on well, yeah, coming this uh, November, actually. So we are so excited to be um, just pastoring with them and our family in the life of the church. And they're all involved, including our youngest, Evangeline. She serves uh, in kids' ministry and in worship. I think it's absolutely incredible if we can get them involved in a young age to serve God. Amen. So enough about my family. Actually, we just finished our Sunday service uh, back at home and they send their love. They were actually praying for us this morning and they're so excited. Like Leon, our son who was preaching this morning saying, hey, dad and mom are preaching at Hope Rock Church and, you know, please pray for them and uh, send them prophetic words. You know, if you're sensing something and picking up and before I say something, I want to publicly honor you, Marco and Kat. You guys are absolutely divine appointments to this church. Um, don't ever disregard the fact absolutely. that God has placed you in this church for such a time as this. No matter what we go through, no matter what we're facing, and we have led for 30 years and we're still leading our church. We started it from Leo's mom's um, what would you say, a lounge room, and, uh, we, and we've encountered many things along the way, kind of thing that sometimes the enemy would try to throw things, you know, in the midst to just get us thinking, oh, what? But you know what? The calling on this church is huge, and I know that you have been appointed to this church for such a time as this, and you guys are going to just excel like never mm. before. Just keep your eyes locked into Jesus. The prophetic word I was picking up this morning is like, you know, we're celebrating Father's Day, right? So um, if you've had kids or you, you've watched other people have kids, there's something about, you know, uh, fathers and their daughters or fathers and their sons, you know, and I feel like the father is saying, anyway, this is an example I want to share with you. you. Your kid would not know how to love you back if you don't show them how to love them correct? So I remember uh, an amazing preacher saying uh, to his daughter, he says, you know, if I don't know how to show you, if I don't show you how to love me 
or how to love, you don't know how to reciprocate it. And I feel like the Father is saying, allow me to woo mm. you into my presence. Lock your eyes to me so that I can show you how to be loved. In turn, you know how to love your children and your families. I so love the Father. I so, so love him. And I yearn for his presence. I yearn to be walking in his divine plan, um, whether it's being a mom in a season or whether it's pastoring or whatever it is. I, I long Good. to, you know, just encounter him. So I feel like this image, I know he's my husband. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like the Father mm. said, let me, <laughs> let me lock eyes. With you. Don't be distracted. Just keep your eyes locked into him because I really feel like the father is wanting to depo deposit something incredible this morning. Love you guys. So good. Thanks, hon. Um, last time we were here we were in the school, if you remember, if you were part of the church a few years ago. And it's exciting that the next, next phase that God's bringing this church into, you've got the you're renovating a building just to, right here in this premises. So that's exciting that God's just... God's added families, God's added people, God's added life, and, and, and this, this, God's got a big plan for this church, and I really believe you guys are going to be a resource to this city, to, to bless this city, but you're going to be a resource to this nation, and even a resource to the whole nations of the world. Like that might sound like, what? And, and, um, but God wants to do that. He, he thinks in nations. God, God wants us to open up our hearts, and I'm telling our church, we want to reach our neighbors and the nations at the same time. You know, like sometimes we go, once we reach our neighbors, then we'll go. But it's something about if the world is your, if, if your people are your parish, then how's it go? When the world is your parish, it needs to be. Or else the parish becomes your world. So we, we have to have our hearts where God's heart is. So we, we're going to be talking about um, fathering. I just want to say be happy Father's Day to everyone. And you know, I think it's really, really powerful to honor fathers. And, you know, we've all, um, I, I really believe we've all, none, no one's grown up with a perfect father. No one has. And so, because there's no perfect father in the natural. There is a perfect father in heaven, and he is a father. And, and it's why he gave us the ability to have, you know, to be fathers and to, fathers and mothers and have family. Um, so if you didn't grow up with a father or you had a father that was home that was neglected, Neglected you, rejected you, abused you. There are, there's, there's, I think, about 20 million children in, in America that have grown up in a fatherless home. Not to mention fa when you've grown, grown up with a father, but maybe the father was home but never home. You know, they, 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 in other words, they, they, they were there, but you never were fathered by them. So there can be deep-seated things in our hearts. And I believe we, we need to be healed you know, in our hearts so that we can have a proper relationship. We don't view God with the lenses of how, well, my dad was never there. Or my dad abused me. My dad, you know, spoke bad about me. My dad attacked me with his words. He, he verbally abused me all the time. And so, you know, th th there's all these scenarios. I mean, I, I do have, I've given something to Marco. There's, I think it's six points on seeing the father as he should. So if you feel like, oh, I've never had a good dad, these, these points can help you. It's, it's scriptural and everything. So we can send that to you if you need to go through that and maybe talk to someone about it. Say, I want to, I want to see God as he really is. I've had to go through, I've been, I, I became a Christian at 19. So I didn't grow up with a father that knew the Lord, a, a, an Italian home. And my dad was the type of dad, if, when I was young, I dreaded my dad. I feared my dad most of, in a wrong sense. 
because um, I had an older brother, and every, everything, every time we did something wrong, we'd get belted with the old-fashioned belt. Now you get the belt out. And, and, or go get the vine, this, this long thing. You take the leaves off, and you only get belted with it, and you go in the garden, and you like, and, and it was for, right, we were stealing. We were doing some pretty bad stuff. We did, it wasn't just for nothing. But um, breaking windows in houses, and we were those little naughty boys, you know. And, um, but, and I remember my dad would leave the house. If my dad left the house, I was so happy. Dad's gone, you know, for the whole Saturday. And every, every time I see my, van, my dad's van come home, oh, I dreaded it. That's not a good picture of your dad. Like when you, when you, anytime your dad comes home, he's oh, no, like my heart would sink, you know. It was the type of dad we're not, uh, dad, we, had, we used to have turns. Tony, would, my brother would say, your turn to ask him if he can go to the park. And I'd knock on the door and, go, and I'm dreading it. Dad, um, you know, can I go to the park? And I, just so, just, this is not, not healthy, is it? Right, it's not healthy. And, and um, dad wasn't involved in my life. Like I, was a, I was a good rugby league player. That's, we used to call that um, football, but you guys are different. Um, but rugby league player, I was good at it, but never ever was in my, my world. Never came to any of my games. And uh, then I became a good break dancer. It just wasn't in my world. And, and when I became a Christian at 19, I had to change my understanding of God. I had to, I had to realize, hang on a sec, if God don't allow God to heal me, when we have our boys and our daughter, five children, I've got to know how to love them unconditionally. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about fathering. But, but please see it as not just fathering your own children, your flesh and blood, or your own children in a family setting. But it, it, this, this can be interpreted in many ways. You can be talking about the church. We need to father the next generation. So the, the, the things that we get from God our Father to us, it's also how we as pastors or elders or leaders, whichever way you see yourself, fathering others. Amen. So this culture, the father heart of God, has to be in the church. God refers to the church as a family yeah. in the Bible. It's, it's, not a, it's not an institution. It's far from it. It's actually family. Abraham was the father of our faith. We're called the children of Israel. You know, the Bible talks about we're children of God. We're brothers and sisters. You know, treat older women like they're, like they're your mother. Treat younger women like they're your sister. This is the Bible, you know. And, and even Jesus refers to, uh, uh, we can, there's some scriptures that refer to Jesus as an older brother. Even though he's the, the son of the living God and he's God on the, in the flesh. But in his humanity, he's like the older brother went before us. He took the penalty for us. So it's a beautiful Language of family. So when we go through some of these things, if you go to Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, this is um, the last book of the Bible. It's talking about uh, prophesying of Elijah would come and restore, restore the hearts. It says Elijah was actually John the baptizer. So John the baptizer came with the spirit and the presence of Elijah, the power of Elijah. And, the, and, and, and what was on Elijah to bring people back to God was on John the baptizer to bring people back to God. And look what he was called to do. He, was, he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. When there's a fatherless generation, we don't grow up with fathers in our homes, the, 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 nation, the land is accursed. It's, 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 it's absent from the presence of blessing. Look at it that way. So, because God puts fathers in place to bring blessing, right? So, I mean, I love this. He will turn that this spirit of Elijah, which is on the John the baptizer, 
will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. It starts there. The hearts of the fathers turn to their children, not the other way around. If you're a father, why won't my child, they're going to come back to me. Well, they'll humble themselves. I know they've gone away. And they'll humble them. But there's an, there's an, your heart has to turn to them first. Our hearts in, in repentance, and we take the responsibility that we need to lead by example. We, we need to lay down our life, and we, our hearts go towards them in humility, in love, in, in, in all these things. In Luke chapter 1, right? Luke chapter 1, and this is actually quoted from the Old Testament. It's talking about John the Baptizer really, really clearly. And at verse 17, it says, It is he, talking about John the Baptizer, he who will go as a forerunner before him, talking about before Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah. What for? What's, what's his main job description? To turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous. Bring in the disobedient, come back to the, the, pl- the place of righteousness. So as to make ready our people prepared for the Lord. So John the baptizer, was the, he was the leveler to mount the mountains, make them flat and the crooked way straight away. He was preparing people for the presence of the Lord to come, which was Jesus. Amen. Yeah. So imagine Jesus the Messiah, the son of the living God, God in the flesh, needed a forerunner to prepare people's hearts. And the main job description, which I believe is revival, is to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. You know, I think it, that's, that's really what revival looks like. Because it is a move of God for fathers to turn back to their children. The hearts of the fathers. There's something powerful given to us as dads and fathers when we have children. To raise them up in the ways of God. There's something powerful about that. And, you know, we've, we've, we've seen all the wrong models. I know that. And, like, even when, we, you know, pastors and preachers and evangelists will go and win the world and lose their own children. And I remember growing up as a young man. I, I got married at 25 Became a Christian at 19, started the church at 22, and in my heart I thought, Lord, I don't want to win the world and lose my own children. I don't want to do that. So show me, show me, because despite of us, he, he still, despite of our insecurities, our weaknesses, our mistakes, our sin, despite of us, we, may, we mess up, God can still take care of our children. But our heart's got to be, Lord, you know, I, I, want to, I want to know how to lead our children and grow them so we don't lose them. Because I can love the world. And that uh, God just showed me, if you can love your children, if you can love your wife, if you can love your wife at home, then, then you're going to love everybody else. It's easier to love a stranger, isn't it? But how about loving your own family? So Paul said, you, when Paul the apostle wrote, he said in, in 1 Corinthians, you have 10,000 teachers, but not many fathers. He says, I gave birth to you as a father. See, he's trying to say, not many people are willing to lay their life down. A father is willing to lay down their life for their children. So they've got a lot of teachers. Oh, they're there for their benefit. But not many fathers. That are, father, the nature of a father is he's not there for himself. He's there for his children. I'll never forget the time when Christine gave birth to Leon, our firstborn. And, and I held him just after birth. Right, right, you know, it's messy. You know that. And, and, and I looked at him and I, thought, and I got emotional. I started crying. And I thought, wow. I'm a young man, and I thought to myself, I've got, I've got to live for you now. I've got to live for you. That was the biggest revelation. I can't just live for myself anymore. I've got to live for you. And just that, that is what I'm talking about, to hold that heart, to hold that, 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 that posture in our hearts that we're living and laying our life down for our children or the next generation when it comes into the life of the church. 
<laughs> Where would you like? I'm trying to go there. I'm trying to go there. <laughs> Number one is, when I think about being a father, being a good father, having a father heart in the church for the next generation, sons and daughters, and raising them up for the kingdom. And I think of um, your personal walk with the Lord is number one. Your personal walk with the Lord. Because the Bible talks in John chapter 3, verse 3, that unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So there has to be a rebirth. Like I, I, was, a, I, was, I was dead. The Bible talks about this, that I was dead to Christ before I came to Christ. My, my spirit was there, but spiritually dead. Didn't have a relationship with God. I might have had religion. And even then, if you said to me, you're a Christian, I probably would have said, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I was not, I was not following Jesus at the age of 19. I never went to church. I, if anything, I went to church Christmas and Easter very, very sporadically. Even sometimes I'd go. And so, but if you asked me if you're a Christian, I probably would have said, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have a relationship with him. That's it, before I was 19. But when I became a, came to Christ, I, I understood what Jesus did for me. Something happens that I can't father correctly or properly without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit coming into my spirit. My spirit's dead to God. It has to come alive. And so even in um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, it says, Giving thanks to the Father, the Father God, God the Father, who has rescued us from darkness. See, I was in darkness. I need to be rescued from this realm of darkness, come out of that and translate it into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. This is the kingdom of light. I've got to get born into this kingdom. So without that resurrection in my spirit, I'm telling you now, I would have, made a, I would have messed up my life big time. I was already on the road of messing up my life until I became a Christian at the age of 19. 100%. And I know I wouldn't have kept a marriage. I've been married 30 years this December without God. I wouldn't, just wouldn't be able to do it. I know me. See, I, I knew me more than anyone knows me. So without Christ, I know I wouldn't have done it. It wouldn't, not possible. So... It's, it's this born again, resurrected, and, and then God teaches you how to love. He starts to love you. I can't tell you how many times I've been in God's presence and I weep and cry, not out of self-pity, not out of, oh, woe is me, but out of, God, you're so good, you're so beautiful, you're so amazing. And, and I, I believe there's been healing taking place. I believe God was healing me of, of rejection, of neglected, being neglected as a, as a son or, or not, my dad not being there or not... You know, fathers and mothers have a way to uh, fill up their tanks, an emotional tank, and, and, and fill them up, you know. And so I didn't have that. And I, I believe God the Father many, many times in his presence, because we are spirit, soul, and body. I'm not just elect intellectual. I am intellectual, and I think with my brain. I love thinkers. I love deep thinkers. I love smart, intellectual guys. But we're also emotional too. So if you shut yourself down because you've been hurt emotionally many, many times, then you won't connect with your children emotionally. So there's, there's things that I needed, to be, I needed to receive healing as a father. And I believe that comes in a relationship with God. And, 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 and the relationship with God, our father, is available for everyone. And I'll explain that, how that happens. Number two, when I think about fathering, I think um, this is the best thing we can do as fathers is to unconditionally love their mother. Unconditionally love their mother. That means, again, you, you and I can't do this without the love of God in us. Without me encountering the Father's love and enjoying His presence and filling up my heart, I don't know how to love my wife unconditionally. It's actually impossible to do it without Christ. Really, not because of my wife. <laughs> Every woman, right? We just need the love of God. 
We need the love of God. It's unconditionally love. The best thing you can give your kids is to treat the mother lovingly and kind and gentle. And I remember seeing my parents fight. It eat me up inside. It would hurt me big time just to argue and find sometimes physical, domestic violence. Because I didn't have, again, they didn't know the Lord. One time I saw in the, in the laundry, I saw my mother, I saw, I saw a bunch of hair. Weird, a bunch of hair. It's like, I saw it, and me and my brother saw it. And I just started, I teared up crying. I realized, that's mum's hair. And I went to mum and said, mum, what happened here? And she started crying. They had a fight, and dad was pulling pulled the hair. I mean, what does that do to a kid? It's not the unconditional love of God. That's not demonstrated. And we learn behavior, good or bad, from what we see. We just watch and see. We, we mimic by, by just absolute, um, it's a, a, a natural thing to do. So, so love your wife unconditionally. But you can't do that without your relationship with God. Neither can I. And I believe this is us as pastors and us as deacons loving the bride, his bride, unconditionally. It creates security. When the leadership of the church is willing to lay down their life, as fathers do, lay down their life for the bride, knowing that the bride belongs to Jesus and they don't belong to you. And so you love, when, something, when that happens in a congregation, in a family, people feel secure. As a child would feel secure when a dad is loving his, his mother or her mother unconditionally. Can you see why there's so much brokenness in the world? Now, we've got filio love, that's, that's friendship love, but we don't have the agape love of God. The divorce courts are filled because we didn't have the agape love of God in our hearts. Please hear my heart. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be honest with the Word of God. Amen. And we want to get to the Word. Um, so when I think about fathering well, I, th- I think about lead by example. And this is Ephesians um, chapter 5, verse 1. It says, imitate God as dear children. Imitate God as dear children imitate their father. So it's telling us, biblically it's telling us, dear children, imitate. You just automatically imitate. I love meeting children and their mannerism, their way they speak, the way they put their languages together is like their parents. Because they grow up all the time like that. They hear their parents and that's how they learn, even their mannerisms. But it's everything else, the personality that they pick up, anger traits or love. They, They pick up everything from their parents. So... I think of laying down our life. We have to lead by example and, and be wise on how you speak. Every word I say is powerful as a father. Why? Because I can, I can create or I can destroy. I believe death and life is in the power of the tongue. I really believe that. That's one thing we did as parents and we'd, we'd help each other in this is be careful what we say over our children. So if we ever said something really bad in a time of you know, frustration or anger... With, you know, oh, sorry, sorry about, I didn't mean that. That's not true. Especially, you know what I mean? Like, I grew up with words like, you're hopeless, you're no good, you amount to nothing. You stupid idiot. Give it to me, you can't do anything right. They're not nice words to grow up under. No. So these words are powerful when we speak words. That, and I would purposely use these words. I knew the word of God. So I would go to my children while they're young. You're so special. You're so amazing. I... I, I <laughs> Please hear my heart. Uh, as they're young and five, six, seven years old, I say, hey, we're best friends, aren't we? Of course, Dad. We're best friends. All my boys. So, and they always hug me and everything. I say, when you become a teenager in front of your friends, you're not going to be ashamed of me, are you? No, Dad. Of course not. Are you going to always hug me? I'm always going to hug you, Dad. For sure, Dad. 
I, that's, I, I'm, you're almost always my best friend. And seriously, as they grew up to be teenagers, they always hugged me in front of their friends. Wow. And I planted that seed, I'd watered that seed, I planted that seed, I watered that seed. What I was doing? Building something up into them on purpose. Amen. And they always would go, hey, Dad, how's it going? Give me a big hug. Yeah. I was the, see the, the, when you do this correctly, because again, I, I, this is all new for me. I didn't have a proper dad or I didn't understand how to do these things. And when, you know, the, 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 the reality we should have with our father, when you come home from work, you've been out all day, you open the keys and the kids are, you know, three, five and seven-year-olds or ten-year-olds, and you, you open up the door and they, they go, dad, 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 they drop everything and they run, 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 and they jump on me. One's on my leg, one's on my back, one's on the, and I've got all three of them on, the, on top of me. And what, what, what is that? That is love, but that's also a sense of righteousness. I love that because they have no fear and there's no like, oh, dad, if, if, I know I'm unworthy and I know I'm hopeless and I'm a worm, but can I approach your presence? No, you never do that to your physical father. That's what we have with our father in heaven. Amen. A sense of righteousness to be able to run to the father and go, dad, 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 and just go straight into his presence. Because of what Jesus did on the cross gives us access with his righteousness that comes from him, not from us. God chose Abraham because in Genesis 18, verse 19, God said because he would teach his children faithfully. God knew that Abraham's going to teach his children these things. It's really important to the heart of God. So, number four is spending quality time with your children. So when you're at home, be at home. I know this could be hard, but we've got to learn to shut things down, and shut things off, and maybe put the phone away, turn it off. Do what I have to, what I have to do so that you can be at home. And I, and I understand that when you go through COVID, everyone worked from home. Yeah. You know, so there are all these departments and you've got to be in your room. and that. But when you're with your children, make sure you're spending quality time with them. They did a survey in a um, national study in America. 1,500 uh, school children in a national study were asked what they thought might uh, made a happy, ma- uh, happy family. They didn't list things like money or cars or material things. Their number one answer was doing things together. Children want parents to show interest in their activities, do things with them and talk with them, not just bless them with things, material things. You know, children will never forget one-on-one time with their parents. There was a, a man by the name of Charles Francis Adams kept a diary. One day he wrote, went fishing with my son today. And he wrote down in his diary, day wasted. Now, obviously, in his mind, he's probably thinking, I'm not, he's not productive, I'm not successful, I'm, must have been a businessman, and I went and fished with my son, day wasted. I mean, it's crazy that he would think that. On that same day, Charles' son, Brooke Adams, noted in his own diary, went fishing with my father today, the most wonderful day of my life. Different perspective altogether. The son absolutely loved it. The father thought it was a waste of time. There was a TV evangelist that went to prison in America many, many years ago. And I heard that the son said that he got to spend quality time with his dad once he was in prison. I mean, how sad is that? So he was winning the world, but he couldn't even have access to his own father. Compared to when he's in prison, he could actually see him one-on-one. So they, the children desire, deeply love our time. You, everyone's heard the cat and the cradle a song if you're a bit older like me <laughs> cat in the cradle is a song about um 
Cat Stevens, I think, but he wrote a song about a father growing up with his son and wants to, the son goes, Dad, let's, you know, spend, uh, cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. We'll be to, I'll, be like my, I'll be like my dad one day. I, I, I want to be like you one day, Dad. And so the kid wants to be like, Dad, and he goes, no, I'm too busy right now. I can't spend time. Can you throw, um, now he's 10 years old. Can you play the ball with me, Dad? Oh, no, I'm busy. I, I'm not, not now. Sometime we'll do another time. And, and then eventually the, dad, the, the kid becomes a dad, and he rings him, and, and, the, dad, and the kid says, Oh, Dad, I've got, I've got the kids have got the flu, and I, I've got work to do, and uh, I'd love to spend time with you. But it's sure nice talking to you. Sure nice talking to you. And the dad hangs up, and dad goes, I just realized my son became just like me. So when, when we don't pour quality time into them when they're children, when they grow up, they're doing exactly what we've sown. You end up reaping the fact that you never gave them the quality time. They end up, then they're going to do that to their own children. And they'll do it to you. I hope this is okay. okay. Just being honest. And it, it takes time. It takes work. Hey, like my kids are grown up. They're married. And so we still plan. And let's get together. Let's... I'm coming to you. I'll do the drive, an hour's drive on the other side of Sydney and spend time with my son. We'll go for a run. We'll go for a lunch. Why? Because he's an adult now, but I'll still plan it in to spend time with my children, quality time with my children. And I know it's hard. It's going to change and everything like that. Thank God they still live in the same city for us at the moment. Um, but no, no, quickly, number six is, actually number five, is you relate to them differently. Every child is so uniquely different, aren't they? You've got, we've got five children, every one of them so different. Personality is different, the way they think is different, the way they process things is different in their thinking. Uh, what motivates them could be different. The call of God's on their life is different. They're just so different. So I can't treat them all the same. I've got to learn, as a father, to treat them relationally what they need. I lay down my life for them differently. And I believe the Father does that with us. He relates to you. The Father God relates to you exactly how you need Him. He talks to you in a way, the way you will hear Him talk. How you hear him speak to you, but he, he, he changes the way he speaks to you. It's all the same word, the same truth, but he knows how to speak to you wow. in a way that you can hear him. That's good. Number uh, six, quickly, is impart vision. Fathers unconsciously impart vision. It's our responsibility. I really believe this. It's, and I believe it's automatic. What you have, what you carry, the vision that you carry, like uh, Marco was saying about. A father dreaming with the stars and Abraham. Look at the stars. They're going to be as many. When you dream with God, you carry vision. And that what you carry, you, you automatically impart. Amen. If you carry no vision, you automatically impart no vision. Yeah. If you're unmotivated and you go, oh, yeah, just. And if you just pay a price, oh, pay the bills, get, the, get up, clock in, you know, work, pay the bills, go back to bed. And there's no purpose, no design, no, no destiny. Well, you're imparting that to your kids. So whatever, we're supposed to impart vision. Amen. You know what I mean by vision? Vision is seeing. Yeah, if, I, if I see because I want, I want to fulfill the call of God, I want to do what God's called me to do, then I believe somehow unconsciously we'll impart that into our children. Amen. But they'll do it with their, the call of God on their life. Yeah, I've never said to them, they're going to be, you have to become a preacher because I'm a preacher. No, well, I'm a pastor. You're going to become a pastor. Whatever they're called to do, we blew wind in their sail. Go do that. Go be that. Go be the best you can with whatever God's placed on your life. But I believe it's, it's really powerful that as fathers we impart vision. Number seven is similar to this, but I believe with all my heart that fathers impart identity. And when 
this is really important because unconscious, people don't know as teenagers that if, if they grow up in a fatherless home, they don't know their identity and they don't know where they're going. And they don't know who they are. Because unconsciously, we give them their identity. I, I pour my life into, for example, my daughter who's now 15, turning 16. And we have dates and we'll go out and watch a movie and we'll have some desserts or have a dinner. And the way I treat her, I know most of you, I'm sure you know all this. The way I treat her as a father, loving, gentle, kind, treat her valuable, like a princess. She's seen her standard of who she's going to choose as a husband. Why would she ever lower herself down to someone that we would treat her like nothing, like dirt, not like a princess? So I'm preparing her to succeed and knowing her identity, her self-worth, I'm valued. I'm a princess of the king. I'm a queen in the eyes of the father. Amen. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for someone that's going to treat me. I was, and I said to my, my daughter, I think, I'm just trying to remember here. It says, we're going to have, um, where is it here? Her birthday, uh, about, yeah, it was Christine's birthday. And I said to uh, my daughter, I said, we're going to um, make breakfast in bed for her. She replied, yeah, I know, Dad. So I thought I w- it was a good opportunity to say to her, Make sure when she gets married that the man that she marries has to be better than dad. Yeah, and, and she said automatically, not better, but the same as you, dad. Uh-huh. I thought, oh, wow. See how automatically she already is thinking, when I marry someone, I want, I want it to be as good as you. So we're, we're imparting identity unconsciously. And that's why when you come before the father, he imparts identity Amen. to us all the time. I never knew who I was until I started having a relationship with God the father. He started to show me how he sees me. The words he says over me, I believe it. Amen. He tells me that I have right standing with God. Guess what? I believe I've got right standing with God. Not because of my righteousness, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. I have right standing with God because God says, you are forgiven. Amen. So I now have forgiven myself. No matter what I've done in the past, I'm totally, completely forgiven. Amen. It's an amazing feeling to have peace with God. And I can go to sleep and know if I die, I go straight to heaven. I'm looking forward to spending time in heaven and being with the Father. Amen. Number eight is provide. We as fathers, we provide. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 14, Paul, the apostle, says, For children ought not to lay up for their parents, but the parents for their children. So parents lay up. We provide for our children. Until you become a dad, I never really thought about this in the future, but now that I'm a father, I start thinking, okay, what, what things do I need to do now? What decisions do I make? Even financially, we do provide financially for this. I, I, pre- I, I prepare to leave an inheritance to not just my children, to my children's children. Amen. That's a righteous man in the book of Proverbs. You start thinking generationally. You, see, you think, if I do these decisions now and, and invest here and do this, and I'm, an, I'm not going to think just for me. It's not, it's not about me enjoying it, but I'm thinking for my children. I want to set them up. Yeah. Now, yes, physically, materially, wealth, 100%, but how much more spiritually? Yeah, how much more emotionally? To provide for them emotionally, to provide for them. My dad didn't know any better except to provide physically. He grew up in Sicily in the war times. He was eight years old. So he did a tough less school, like in second, third grade, worked in the you know, farm and in, 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 the, in the fields. And um, he did it really, really tough and poor, poor, poor. So when he came to Sydney and could work a couple of jobs, in his mind, I'm going to love my family by providing everything for them having all the food they need, all the education they need, all the, the, the shelter over the house, everything. So, yes, he did that good. That was his love language. So I understand that. But he didn't know the Lord, and he didn't have anything else to give me emotionally or spiritually. He couldn't give me an inheritance spiritually. He didn't have it. In fact, my dad, 
would say things. He would prophesy without even knowing it. He grew up in a family that his dad was so strict on him. When he turned 18, he couldn't wait to get out. So the moment he was able to leave, he got out of there. And he went to the army even for a year and everything. But when he was growing up of us, he started saying, when we were 13, 14, very tender, he says, when you're old enough, when you turn 18, you're going to leave. You're going to get up out of here and get out. I know what you're thinking. My dad would say, I know what you're thinking. You're going to get up and leave. He was speaking his fears into existence. Because he knew, he's like thinking to himself, I don't know how you're thinking as a teenager. I was like that. And so the moment I wanted my freedom, I was out of there. You're doing the same now. You know what? I didn't want to do that as a teenager. I was so tender and, and sensitive boy. And I thought, no, the hell, I'd never do that. But as I became 18, 19, I started to think, I think I'm just going to get my own place and I should leave. I started to think to myself, and I thank God I got born again at 19. Didn't have Amen. to do that. Yeah. But what was he doing? He was speaking words and prophesying it into existence. The opposite of how God operates. Providing. Now, if you, if, I know, again, we probably might not, 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 might not have had good dads, good examples and everything, but a, a father that has a father's heart, if your child had a terminal disease, let's say you had a terminal disease and you could take the disease, if it was possible to take it instead of your kid, what father wouldn't do it? I know I would. I would do it like that. Absolutely, give it to me. I don't want them to suffer. Give it to me. I'll take that on because that's what a father does. That's exactly what the Father God did in Jesus. All the sickness, all the disease, all the sin, all the filth, all the separation from God, put it on Christ because he was willing. We don't have to do that because it's not, it's not, you, know, it, it's, you don't ever need to take on someone else's disease because Jesus already did it. But Jesus took on all the sin, all the sinful nature of the world and became sin. Why? Because he was providing righteousness. Amen. He was providing forgiveness restoration, reconciliation for all of humanity. So on that cross, him who knew no sin becomes sin. He didn't commit sin. He became sin. So that in him, the Bible says, we who knew no sin, so he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We didn't commit righteousness. We became righteous. He never committed sin. He became sin. A great exchange took place on the cross so that he could provide everything spiritually, spirit, soul, and body. He provided absolutely everything. Everything. Siri's trying to really talk today. God provided everything for us. The restoration is there. All he needs us to do is turn our hearts back to him. All he needs us to do is repent and say, Lord, I give you my life. It's the best life to live, to live... Give your life back to the Father God who loves you unconditionally. Amen. Most of us probably grew up with Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. He did that for you. He did that for me. Amen. So we're going to bow our heads right now for a moment. Just in case there's people in this room that need to make peace with God, their Father. As a son, as a daughter, you only you can answer this. Only you can honestly say, yes, Leo, I have walked away from him or I've, I've allowed my heart to grow cold. I've allowed my heart to be distant. I've allowed my heart. Maybe I have not been walking with him, but I want to return. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to put my faith in Christ and I want him to give me this peace with him. Peace to be made one with God again. To be reconciled, to be brought back into relationship with God. If there's anyone in this room that needs to make peace with God, I just want to ask you to slip your hand up because I'm going to pray a prayer. It's a simple prayer 
of accepting the, uh, uh, the Jesus' forgiveness and, and you'll come back in relationship with God. Just slip your hand up if that's you this morning. If you need to make peace with God, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You're just saying yes to him. Say, yes, Lord, I want to I come back to you. I want this love that Leah's been talking about. I want this love to fill my heart so I can love unconditionally. And it's turning away from your sin. It's saying sorry and say, Lord, I don't want to follow my sin anymore. I want to follow you. And if everyone has made that peace with God already and you already are a believer, you're already a follower of Christ, that's fantastic. But can we, can we all say, Lord, we want more of you. Lord, we want more of you. Can you repeat after me, just for those people that put their hands up. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus, dying on the cross. For my sin, he took my place, the judgment I deserved, he took on, so I could be forgiven. I turn away from my sin. I give you my heart. I open up my heart, Lord. I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I will follow you all the days of my life. And Father, I pray for every single one of us that we will have such powerful, loving encounters with you, Lord. That every single one of us, even as we go on our day and, and enjoy our family, and Lord, when we wake up tomorrow, when we, you know, during the week, everything, Lord, that we would just have so much time, spending time with you and enjoy your presence. People will encounter your love. I pray for healing restoration of the wrong image of our Father. You'd change that image, Lord. If we've been um, just hurt and abused by physical dads, we pray in Jesus' name for healing. We forgive. We release them and we forgive them. Show us, Father, how to love unconditionally in Jesus' name.